in lockup, stuff happens. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably figure out what. Yeah. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate Gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Hello. Oh, hi. Hi. I didn't hear you come in. I was surprised. Oh, well. But that makes your name that much more appropriate (laughs) since your name is a little (laughs) too quiet. (laughs) How are you? Oh, you know, okay. I had mm-hmm. a I had a bad week, as you know. You did have a bad week. Yeah. So, I'm down to a one cat household, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. Buddy joined his sister Pepper mm-hmm. in the not being here anymore. So that sucked. That sucks a lot. Yeah. Poor Buddy. No, my poor 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 Betty. Kathy. Thanks. It's weird, and. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. And even though he's a cat, so it wasn't quite, you know, wasn't super loud all the time. The the whole house just feels quieter and emptier. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I've not been sleeping well. I'm such a joy, everyone. Also understandable, <laughs> since you're used to being surrounded by kitties yeah. and now you have one kitty. I know. And last night I was trying to fall asleep and 13 was under the bed. Um... And I was, like, on the verge of falling asleep, and all of a sudden I hear, meow, meow, <laughs> coming from under the bed. I don't know why, but I was like, come on, now I'm awake again. Damn it, 13. Is she turning into po- my cat Potato in her old age? Because that's totally a thing Potato would do. Maybe. Who knows? Mm. I think 13 just went back under my bed, too. Because <laughs> that's it's a good place for kids. That's her spot now. I don't know. Yeah. Potato likes to sit under our bed. Yeah. Anyway, so how are you doing? I'm okay. My closet here feels cavernous because we rented a storage bin. So all of the stuff that was being stored in here is now in the storage bin. And it just feels so luxuriously huge in here. <laughs> Amazing. And, uh, I know, right? I did put up more soundproofing on the walls to hopefully keep it from echoing since there's much less stuff in here. But it feels weird and nice. Very cool. Mm. Kathy, do you know what episode this is? I do. Why? It's a very special episode. Oh, it is. It's our 69th episode. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe that would cheer you up. Thank you. You're welcome. I was like, wait a minute. I was thinking about the show and I'm like, it was a fun episode. Oh, no, who cares but like... about that? <laughs> I'm like, wait, was it special? I don't care about that. I care about what episode of the podcast this is. <laughs> That's crazy. Right? And also nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> what are we talking about in this 69th nice episode? <laughs> Today on this 69th nice episode, <laughs> I'm not. We're watching Stargate SG-1 Season 4, Episode 3. And by watching, I mean we're talking about an episode we watched <laughs> called Upgrades. Yeah. I watched this one again while I was donating platelets, and they were having trouble getting one of the needles into my arm. So for about the first, like, 10 or 15 minutes of this, I had three separate nurses, like, manhandling my arm, person handling my arm, and jabbing it with needles. So it was a little distracting, and I didn't have time to rewatch it after that. So we'll see how this goes. (laughs) That's fine. Yeah. 
kind of on theme with the uh, with the medical. Yeah, medical yeah. issues of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to start, or would you like me to start? I don't know. You want me to start, or do you think you got the first scene pretty well? <laughs> I probably got the first scene, but then the next scene, couple of scenes are kind of okay. iffy. So why don't I start? Sure. And you can take over <laughs> until I know what's going on again. Fantastic. <laughs> I noticed that at the beginning of this episode, we were actually missing the MGM drop. Oh. Like the lion roar. I totally missed that. I didn't notice if it was missing at the last episode or two, but I definitely noticed it this episode. And I don't know if it's just because for whatever reason, Netflix like left it out or if this was for a reason. But Good yeah, question. I noticed it. If I had my <laughs> TV not in my garage and my DVD player hooked up <laughs> and my DVDs out of a box, I would check. But I yeah, don't. That sounds like a lot of effort. <laughs> it really also, is. Since, also, since I had to watch the credits all the way through because I couldn't touch the remote to fast forward, I noticed the credits were like really blue. Oddly oh. blue. More so than I remembered them being before. And I thought that there might have been a couple different clips in there too. But you're right that it was mostly the same. I think I skipped it because I was like, oh, they're going to do the same ones this season. Cool. Hmm. Yeah, it looked like there were just like a couple of updated headshots of each of them like at the beginning of their section but then they used old clips for the rest of it check it out yeah there was one with daniel that had like no glasses and short hair and that was definitely not a first season thing for him gotcha yeah yeah Yeah. anyway as thrilling (laughs) as that all is the episode starts out with the gate activating close up on one of the chevrons as the gate is turning the Tok'ra are trying to dial in and get in touch with them. They didn't say why, so everyone's a little bit worried. Jack starts talking about how pissed off he is about the Tok'ra because they're always so rude and condescending, and he hates that just so much. Walter says that they got the IDC, so they open the iris, and as Jack continues his rant, a lady Tok'ra comes through. And he seems to not really want to protest anymore because she's a rather attractive lady Tok'ra. Yeah, he and Daniel both were like... Hey. Yeah. A little speechless. <laughs> uh, I liked her outfit, though. I thought it was a cool outfit. She was also not wearing pants, but she was wearing she, a dress. Yes, she was wearing a dress. <laughs> and not just a weird long shirt with no pants. <laughs> this was a deliberate, like... Yes. This is an actual dress. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I liked her shoes, too. It was a cool, a cool getup. Yeah. Agreed. Yep. There is another Tok'ra behind her who I didn't notice if that person was wearing pants or not because I was distracted by the fact that I was like, oh, yeah, I know who this person is. I remember this Tok'ra from before. Sure. Me too. The person behind Anise, whether or not they are wearing pants, is carrying a large box. And this box has some pieces of technology. Is there a box inside of another box? There might be. Yeah. Cool. She can mail that box to herself, but probably wouldn't do any good because they want to bring this box to Earth. So, yeah. 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 She introduces herself as a niece, and the other person is Marnin. Everybody else introduces themselves as well. They take a little extra time to tell each other what their names mean, <laughs> which is thrilling. Apparently, a niece means noble strength, also disgusting spice. Yes. <laughs> Daniel says his name means God is my judge, and Jack says his name means what's in the box. Oh, what's in the box? <laughs> and then they're in the briefing room. Looking at the stuff in the box, which is armbands that Anise recently discovered among some ruins on some ancient planet. They're inscribed with a language from some people called the Ataniques. Carter says that that sounds familiar. She thinks that Jolinar might have known who they were. They pass these armbands around and 
talk a little bit about the history of the ancient culture and the fact that Anissa's area of expertise is ancient cultures. And oh my goodness, Daniel <laughs> says, my too. <laughs> I just really loved her. Like, yes, yes I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then after that, Jack just keeps looking at Daniel. <laughs> he keeps turning his head and like looking at him. <laughs> yeah. Like kind of sideways. It yeah. Was- Weird and silly. Hey, Daniel. <laughs> Anise wants to know exactly what these armbands do. She thinks that they're going to give people some sort of physical advantage over people not wearing them, but it doesn't work on Tokra for whatever reason. So they brought them to their favorite guinea pigs, the people of Earth. <laughs> it's probably not going to work on Tilk either. They're going to hope for the best with Sam, despite her protein marker that she's got. And so they want their volunteers of SG three quarters. Hammond, unlike last episode, thinks maybe it's time to learn a little bit more about these things before just agreeing. Which, why they would trust the Tok'ra less than some random race of people that they had never met before. Who knows? Maybe they learned their lesson last episode. <laughs> maybe. Let's go with that. <laughs> this time, it sticks. <laughs> For once. <laughs> Anise is a little bit insistent, but then her host, Freya, comes out and says to forgive Anise because she's just a really excited scientist. And then Anise comes back out and demands an answer. (laughs) Apparently, the answer is, sure, why not? (laughs) Even after the, maybe we shouldn't do this because we are next watching Anise put a sensor of some kind on Jack's chest and it will monitor every aspect of his physiological condition. So she's going to monitor everything that's going on with them while they're doing this. Anise puts the armband onto Jack. It sort of like, I don't know, clasps around his arm. Yeah. Which is more than it was doing for hers. It wouldn't hold on. At yeah. All. And then there's a light on it that's blinking. I think it's a cool fashion statement and I kind of want one. Oh, all right. We'll see what we can do about that. Yay! Yeah. Thank you. I'm sure I can probably find one somewhere. Yeah. I also want all the benefits without any of the side effects. Oh, can you make yeah. That no too? problem. Okay. Spoiler alert. There might be side yeah. effects and benefits. <laughs> Jack does not feel anything when the armband is put on, but then he says it's going to take some time. It was designed that way to gradually get used to their new abilities she's gonna monitor him from afar with the biosensor while he goes and wanders off to visit tilk in the gym (laughs) in the gym tilk and jack are doing some boxing and jack is complaining that he thinks that this whole thing is just a crock and that it doesn't seem like he's doing anything but then he tells tilk to try a little bit harder and that he's holding back too much and tilk promises nope he's not holding back and then he does kind of a matrixy dodgy move as Tilk tries to punch him. And then he gets in a nice good punch on Tilk's face <laughs> that knocks him unconscious. Oops. Oops. Yeah. So I guess it's working after all. Yeah. That's sort of mm. a nice callback to their first time or to the, when Jack is showing Tilk how to box and then <laughs> yes. Tilk just clocks him. You gotta bend your carsos or whatever those yeah. are. <laughs> They take Tilk to the infirmary. <laughs> He's going to be okay. Jack apologizes. And then Tilk's like, you're not sorry. And Jack's <laughs> like, he's right. 
Anise is testing Jack's strength. She has some sort of stress ball type thing. <laughs> That's what it looked yeah. like. Yeah. So she just has him squeeze it. And the results are his strength is five times that of a regular human. And Jack jokes, oh, so no increase then. (laughs) (laughs) Jack then takes a balled up piece of paper and tosses it into a cup across the room. Three. It was a very small cup, too, so that was impressive aim. So it seems like perhaps his aim is getting better. And Fraser notices he's developed a bit of a sweep tooth, and that is because he's sitting there. I couldn't tell if he was eating granola bars or candy bars throughout this whole thing. I thought it was granola bars, but either yeah, way. Yeah, I think so. Candy bars are better than granola Granola bars aren't even healthy, so if you're going to be splurging on the calories, you might as well just have a candy bar. <laughs> All right, fine. He's eating candy bars. I liked when we were kids and they had those candy bars that were covered in chocolate. Do they still have those? I mean, granola bars. Yeah, the kudos. (laughs) I think we might have had this conversation before that we were never allowed to have them because my mom thought that they were too unhealthy. (laughs) Because they're basically candy. Yeah. And then she would like give us apple pie and be like, it's got fruit in it. That's right. That's right. We have talked about this. (laughs) My mom had and still has weird opinions on nutrition. We elves try to stick to the four main food groups. Candy, candy canes, candy corns, and syrup. Weird and somewhat dismaying opinions <laughs> on nutrition. <laughs> so Anise notes that their metabolism is increasing because there's more energy happening in their body. He needs to eat all the candy. Yes. A faster metabolism would be expected if this is a thing that's going to make them stronger and faster. Yeah. yeah. So stands to reason they're more hungry. And Anise says it's time to add more subjects to this experiment. Woo! Yeah. Now it is Sam and Daniel's turn, so they get suited up with their armbands also, while Jack continues to stand in the background and eat candy bars and observe. (laughs) A little bit later in Daniel's office, Jack comes in, and Daniel's feeling a little bit annoyed. He's still not feeling anything yet. Jack picks up some book and reads this giant tome in a matter of seconds. Daniel is clearly very jealous. Yes. He asks Jack if I read it, and Jack's like, I guess, but is there another book that explains this book? Daniel then tries to read the book just as fast as Jack did, and is not able to, and is clearly pissed. Want me to read to you? <laughs> Dr. Frazier goes to see Sam in her lab. Sam is sitting in total darkness... Like you do. Using her microscope. Yeah. I mean, you don't need a light on to look through a microscope because microscopes are backlit. Fair. I mean, if assuming that it's a light microscope anyway. And Fraser's like, Sam, what you doing? She's like, running some tests on the art band, you know, cool. And she's like, it's dark in here, huh? <laughs> Sam's like, huh, I didn't notice. Fraser turns the lights on and Sam does notice that. <laughs> Sam just had no idea. That's that whole scene. <laughs> yep. They can see in the dark. Ooh. Yeah. Lucky them. Yeah. Yeah. They're back in the infirmary because Fraser, despite the tests that Anise is doing on their physiology, wants to check them out and make sure that from her standpoint, being an expert in human physiology, they are, in fact, still doing okay. She notices that they're all running a little bit of a fever. Sam gets a little bit pissy that Fraser doesn't trust Anise. Frazier's like, well, no, I do. I just want to keep an eye on things, too. Can't blame her. 
(laughs) Definitely not. She's their doctor. So, of course, that makes sense. In some kind of gym, Jack is on, is it a Stairmaster? I don't know. It looked like a Stairmaster. I think he was on an elliptical. Okay. Well, whatever. He's on an elliptical. He's on some sort of gym cardio machine. I wasn't really paying attention at this point because this is when I was getting jabbed by three different nurses. So elliptical (laughs) Stairmaster, something like that. The point of it is that Jack goes so fast the machine can't keep up with him. Yeah. He's like, I'm not even sweating. That thing's slowing me down. And he hands him the stress ball again. And he squeezes it so hard that it smooshes and breaks. And he's like, whoops. Back in Daniel's office, Daniel has finally caught up with everybody else. And he can read super fast. And he is very excited by how fast he can read. And he hands him over the notebook that she has on the Ateniques. And he reads that about as ridiculously fast as Jack read the book before. And he realizes that, uh, you know, what these symbols say is that with great power comes great responsibility. That sounds pretty familiar. I wonder where they got that from. But then Anise adds, and the ability to affect great consequences. Mm. That sounds a little bit more ominous. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel wants to know if Anise has tried to figure out what happened to the Atonique and where they went to, why they became extinct. And nope, she didn't care. She just wanted to know how the armband worked. That's what's important. Yep. Daniel's armband also lights up permanently at this point. True. Yeah, Yeah, they were flashing before, right? Yeah. And his has become solid. So then they go to the infirmary to talk about that. And he says that means they've reached their maximum potential. Woo! Dr. Frazier joins them and asks to talk to Anise. Hammond comes in with her, too. They have a little side chat while the others just kind of sit around waiting. And she tells Anise that their body temperatures are significantly raised. And that their symptoms are indicative of the presence of a virus. And Anise is like, yeah, duh. (laughs) My bio data totally says a virus was released into their systems. Which she just didn't bother to tell them. Right? Yeah, Yeah, that might have been good to know before. I don't think she realized that was going to happen until after it had already happened, right? Or did she say that she was Yeah, I don't think she I don't think she knew that, but like she could have mentioned that. (laughs) Right. It might have been nice to tell them once she realized what happened. Anise says that that must be how the technology accesses human physiology, and it took a different amount of time in each person because each subject's unique reaction to the virus. Dr. Frazier's like, you're just speculating. And Sam's blood work shows a dangerous amount of adrenaline. Anise is offended that Frazier would interfere this way in her experiment. Frazier is not happy about being kept in the dark about the condition of her people. Well, if she had one of these armbands, then she'd never be in the dark because she could see in That's the dark. true. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah. Dr. Fraser wants to stop the experiment until she has more time to run tests and make sure everybody's going to be okay. And Anise is like, no, but Hammond's like, actually, I am going to be a little bit cautious and say, let's take them off, even though I let you put them on, even though I was already cautious about it. (laughs) He lets the team know and they are not happy they don't want to take them off can't blame them no 
Hammond says, please take them off. And Sam's like, but... And he's like, are you refusing to comply with a direct order? I can't believe what I'm hearing. Is that surprising they do that all the time? (laughs) (laughs) And we comment on it all the time. But maybe, you know, do they always do it right in his face, I guess? (laughs) Yeah, I guess they don't usually. Yeah, they usually wait until he's gone away and then disobey his orders. But then, you know, they they back down and try to take the armband off and they can't. Oh, well. Uh Oh. (laughs) In Hammond's office, Fraser. And Anise are sitting around discussing the situation, and they have still not had any success getting the armbands off of SG-3 quarters. Fraser says that short of surgically removing their arms, they're out of options. <laughs> Needless to say, Hammond's not so keen on that idea. <laughs> Anise, meanwhile, is very excited about the results of the experiment, so she really couldn't care less that the armbands are stuck. She is having a great time doing her science thing. <laughs> Hammond really doesn't want to hear any of that, and... He sternly tells her that she needs to figure out how to get these armbands off of them. Back in the gym, Jack is doing some weightlifting. Apparently he is bench pressing 600 pounds. That's quite a lot. That is quite a lot. It's not really five times what a human, a normal human could lift, though. Like, before he was five times stronger than the normal human, and then he crushed the strength ball after that, so he should be able to lift more than 600 pounds. I mean, he didn't look like he was stressed to the max true this is true maybe they shouldn't have enough weights that could be that'll be my (laughs) headcanon they ran out of plates they couldn't put any more plates on it yeah tilk and he are chatting tilk's like aren't you worried about this armband not coming off and jack's like nope these are awesome tilk's like well we can't be sg1 while you're doing this experiment jack's like i'm gonna have a chat with hammond about that And he gets up and goes to start using the punching bag, but he punctures it with his fist. Oops. Oops. That's it. (laughs) Is this making their skin tougher? Because that would hurt a lot. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I don't think think he had any boxing gloves on, did he? Or even if he did, still, that would be really painful and they're like full of sand and stuff. I didn't note that, whether or not. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. down in Sam's lab, Sam is continuing to do some science. She's typing crazy fast and complaining to Fraser about how the computer can't keep up with her. So she has to type a bunch of stuff and then wait for the computer to catch up before she can type a bunch more stuff. Fraser wants Sam's help sciencing how to get these armbands off, but Sam's like, nah, I'm too busy writing this book about quantum physics. I've already written a thousand pages in two hours. <laughs> Good job, Sam. Right? That just sounds terrible. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If I had superpowers, that is for sure not what I would be doing with them. No, although it's pretty on point for Sam. Very true. Yeah. It's very much in line with her character. Jack goes to see General Hammond, who is in the midst, as we come in, of telling him, no, they cannot go off world and fight the gold (laughs) because they don't know what the side effects long term will be. Jack's like, we really need to get out there. We're wasting time. We got to go kick some butt. And then he kicks Hammond's wall and a bunch of it just crumbles off. And he's like, oops, sorry. (laughs) Basically, Jack's really excited and gung-ho. And Hammond is like, no, I'm cautious and concerned. So you're not going. Jack's like, say the word. Say it. Say it. We could be ready in three seconds. (laughs) 
actually, we're ready now. And Hammond says, no, get the hell out of my office. (laughs) Jack leaves. (laughs) Jack leaves and he's walking towards the stairs to go down. Sees Siler walking and goes, hey, Siler, and like taps him on the chest and... Siler flies over the railing and down this, uh, like, just falls down, like, the stairs. It's like, sad because he was so badly hurt, and yet I was still sitting there laughing. It was really funny. While the nurses were still poking at my freaking arm at this point, I might add. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they're looking at me like, why are you laughing? Doesn't this hurt? And I'm like, it's not yes. great, but yeah, I've had worse. But that guy hurts worse, and it's hilarious. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not good. In some room, SG three quarters is being isolated. They're talking about how it was just an accident, what happened to Siler, but Daniel's like, eh, well, he does have a broken arm and a concussion though. But it's okay, because Jack sent him flowers, so no harm, no foul, <laughs> except there was lots of harm. They are really pissed off that they are stuck here and not allowed to go and fight the Glowold and save the world, but you know what? They're really hungry. Like super hungry. And they all want steaks. So they're going to go get some steaks. Even though they're not supposed to leave, it's steak time. I would want steak too if all I'd done was eat candy bars all day long. Right? I want steak anyway, and I haven't just eaten candy bars all day (laughs) long. I so rarely eat red meat anymore, but now I want a steak so badly Mm, after this episode. (laughs) They zoom on out on over to O'Malley's in town. Yeah. They are sitting down at a table in the restaurant, enjoying some beers, talking about how high the fence they got over was. The server comes up and is like, hey, what can I get you? And Jack's like, three giant steaks with everything rare and a baked potato. And she's like, cool. All right. And she starts to leave. And Jack's like, no, no, no. That was just for me. (laughs) And she thinks he's joking. But Daniel's like, yeah, I'm going to have three, too. And Jack goes, four? Daniel's like, four. Yeah, four. <laughs> Sam's like, me, too. But I'll have french fries and a diet soda. LOL. I like the taste better. I like the look that Daniel and Jack give yeah. her when she orders a diet soda. I like the taste better, too, of diet, yeah. diet soda. So there. Me, too. Yeah. At that point, Sam's like, hmm, we're defying a direct order here, huh? <laughs> Again. And Daniel points out. It's not like we haven't done this before. <laughs> Sam's point is, yeah, but we generally had higher stakes than that. <laughs> Jack's like, earth stakes? Oh, I said steak stakes. Earth stakes? Ha. There's a difference? And they think they'll be back before anyone notices. Yeah. Sounds good in theory. Yeah. But a little while later, Sam is hustling some people at pool. <laughs> And these are the most 90s looking thugs that have ever thugged because like one of them is just wearing like a green t-shirt with the sleeves rolled up. Another one is wearing a tweed blazer with a black turtleneck under it. It's just absurd. They're all pissed off that Sam's beaten them. Daniel's gloating, but then they call him a geek. And apparently that's the last straw for Daniel because he's been putting up with being called a geek his whole life. So Daniel starts a fight. Next thing we know, there's a big brawl going on. Yeah. Later at some point, maybe not too much later, General Hammond has been notified that some stuff is going on. (laughs) That the team in three quarters has left and has done some silly things. Because he's like, I thought these devices were supposed to enhance them, not make them stupid. (laughs) (laughs) 
Dr. Frazier's like, well, you'd have to ask Anise about that because she does not like Anise. Mm -mm. And she thinks that their behavior could be explained by an increase in various hormones. And it could be described as almost an intoxication. She also says their blood tests show early indication of multiple organ failure. That is not good. Yeah, that's really bad. Yeah. And I know they're stronger, but still, I would think that they would not be wandering around like this and as high-functioning as they are. Yeah. Yeah. Despite their added strength if their organs are failing. Yeah. So they don't know what's going to happen if they can't get the armbands off, but... She's got some treatments she could try to, like, fight the virus. Didn't they say they've already gotten to the maximum effect, though? So yeah. are the armbands really doing anything extra at this point? Yeah. The armbands injected SG three quarters with a virus, but if the virus is already in their systems and has reached full effect, what purpose is the armband serving anymore at this point? I, rah, 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 rah. It wouldn't make any difference to keep injecting them with more virus. I got nothing. <laughs> Maybe the armband itself has... Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No. Well, you got me. Anyway, SG-1 has been escorted to see Hammond. (laughs) And he would like to know why you guys were at a restaurant downtown. They have no explanation, except that they were very hungry. You know, it was more of a scuffle than a brawl. (laughs) Not sure I'd agree with that. (laughs) Jack says they were very careful to make sure they didn't kill anyone. Didn't Daniel specifically throw someone across the room or something? He might have. When we were talking about that scene, I was thinking about, Jack even says it's cliche, but like, it's really funny to me how Daniel starts to fight with this one guy and literally every other guy gets up and like stands <laughs> yeah, around exactly. looking we're menacing. Yeah. Like, is this a, like a townie versus a military thing? I don't know. But anyway. I guess. But the guy with the rolled up t-shirt sleeves looked kind of military. Uh, Maybe I'm just making that assumption because he was wearing like an army green colored shirt. Who knows? Hammond doesn't know what to do with them. Jack's like, "Uh, we're so sorry, but Carter wanted a steak. And she's like, no, it was your idea. (laughs) Jack's like, we didn't even realize we were defying orders. Sorry. He says that it didn't occur to them until after they were already defying orders, even though they discussed it in advance before they left. (laughs) (laughs) So that's clearly not true. No. No. Anise comes in then to let them know she's gotten a message from the Tok'ra High Council. And they are pleased with the progress of her experiment and have a suggestion. And that is that they should go out into the field and show them what they've got. <laughs> yeah. Jack's super excited, and Hammond's like, what do you want to do? And she's like, well, we've just received new information regarding a new battleship Apophis is building. Hammond's suspicious, and Anise is like, oh, yeah, well, we, we already tried internally to sabotage it, and we failed, so um, you guys could, you know, maybe get in there. And do the thing. And Hammond's not having it. He's like, this has been your plan all along. Freya comes out to try to defend the Tok'ra. But Hammond's like, nope. And she says, though, that either way, Apophis should not be allowed to complete this ship because he will then have dominance over all the gold and everyone else in your planet will be in jeopardy. And he says put all of their intel into the base computer so that Hammond can have a look at it in the meantime. 
Jack's like, how about we do? And Hammond won't let him talk. He tells them they're to go back to lockup. And that is an order. In lockup, it turns out that Sam managed to get the information about that battleship. And so they take a look. Back in Hammond's office, Teal'c is looking at the information with Hammond. And they're discussing what they should do. Apparently this Gwold mothership really is a big deal. It's got a lot of advancements that the traditional motherships don't have. So Tilk seems to be quite a bit worried about this. And he offers to go alone, which obviously is a very bad idea because there are going to be Jaffa guarding this thing and people all over the place keeping this new battle station safe from the likes of SG three quarters or SG one quarter or SG one or any combination of SG (laughs) that could come along. In their little prison, SG-3 quarters are still studying the ship. They're making some plans to do the thing. We can zip through the guards. They'll never even see us. They can plant some bombs, but not in the core where they really need to because that's sealed in precious tritium. But they are going to blow up the cooling system below the facility, and then it'll overheat and blow up anyway, in case anyone wanted to know the plan. Well, it answers my question later as to why there were more than one explosion, because ah, I missed that part. Yeah, Apparently there will be force shields around those uh, things, but that's no big deal either, because they can go so fast, they can basically go through them. Yep. Jack's like, all right, we need snacks. I always like to have snacks. Yeah. Snacks are great. Yeah. They're yeah. just eating so many candy bars. Right? I wish I could eat that many candy bars and not feel disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> and also stay in shape. <laughs> so it's time to carry out their plan. They go and knock out everybody in the control room. That seems kind of bad. <laughs> they dial out. Tilk catches them as they are heading up the ramp and he tries to stop them. But Jack says not this time. And then they run through the gate in a flash leaving poor SG one quarter behind. Shortly after that, Hammond and a few others find the control room full of unconscious people and find the gate, which is apparently still open. They are locked out of the system. So SG three quarters really, really was trying to screw with the people back in the SGC when they left. (laughs) So all Hammond can really do at this point is call for a medical team to the control room to take care of all the unconscious people on the floor. (laughs) On the planet... The Jaffa have noticed the gate is open. They ready their weapons for whatever's going to come through, but they didn't know what was coming, and SG-1 zooms through and knocks them all out and comes out the other side unscathed. That's that. That is that. (laughs) It was a quick scene. Yeah. (laughs) They zip on through the forest, on over to the ship itself, and then fight some more Jaffa there. They stop when they catch a glimpse of Jaffa carrying something that appears very heavy and Sam recognizes it as weapons grade Naquita. Hmm. I think that kind of answers my question as to why it's sometimes explosive and sometimes not since there's apparently weapons grade versus regular. What that difference is, I don't know. Some kind of purity level, I would guess, or whatever. But kind of answers my question. Yeah, but she's like, it's extremely dense so so much heaviness but she's interested because they could you know power so many naquita reactors 
Daniel volunteers to grab that for them, and Jack and Sam are going to go off to do the other stuff. Sam and Jack zzz, along, and they stop, and Sam's like, Ooh, it's hot, huh? They are looking for the shields that they need to go through. That's why they've stopped. Yeah. <laughs> Not because she's hot. Maybe a yeah, little bit. Yeah. They actually do run through the force fields that are there, which I think it was pretty cool looking when they were... I agree. Yeah, both when they run up to touch it and test it and like all this stuff. And yeah, it was a cool looking force field. It was. Yeah. They calculate that they've got about 15 minutes once they do their thing to get back to the gate. And they go to plant the bombs. Later, they meet up with Daniel, who has gotten the Naquita, but he's clearly starting to struggle. He complains that the Naquita is really heavy and he's out of breath. If something is up, they're like, well, suck it up and deal, essentially. Let's go. We gotta go. They run off. Daniel passes out on the floor. Thankfully, they notice, though, and they come back to try to help him. He says he can't move. And so they take off his backpack and then he's completely unconscious and his armband falls off. Uh-oh. Yep. On Earth, in Hammond's office, we find out the armbands are going to come off on their own, as if we hadn't figured that out already. <laughs> and he says that she has been continuing to get information from their biosensors before they stepped through the gate, and that indicated that there were some antibodies happening. So the virus is limited in how long it can actually work, and then eventually the virus is going to be killed off by those antibodies and will have no lasting effect of enhanced strength or speed or anything. That's so sad. Yep. It turns out that this is what happened to the Adonis. They were relying on these armbands for battle. And then in the middle of that fight, the armbands were off and everybody got killed. Oops. And the Ataniks were never able to solve that issue. Hammond's not too pleased because he's like, all right, well, SG three quarters is on a planet full of Jaffa and they're about to get really sick and really weak at any moment. But Freya adds that for what it's worth, she and Anise are really sorry. So that makes it better. Yeah. And they do hope that SG three quarters gets back safely. Anise's sort of thing is like, oh, I don't need to say I'm sorry. I'm just going to have my human do it for me. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Freya doesn't really get a very good deal with Anise no. as her symbiote here. Maybe Freya really likes experiments, though, and she's just mm. playing the nice person. Yeah, at the very least, she enjoys writing her notes in an actual notebook, True. as they talked about before, because Daniel was surprised it was actual paper. Yeah. And Anise said that it's because Freya likes to write. Anyway. Yeah. Jack and Sam are with the unconscious Daniel. Some Jaffa come upon them. Uh-oh. And what? Jack's like, all right, you got us. Don't creep. <laughs> <laughs> but the Jaffa are going to shoot him anyway. But, oh no, they get zatted. Ah! <laughs> Out of nowhere. Yeah. And we find Teal'c comes around the corner. Yay. To save the day. Huzzah. Yeah. Daniel has been unconscious just long enough and is now coming around. <laughs> they stand him up. Jack orders Teal'c to take Daniel out of there and he is going to take Sam with him. Did they do the bombing yet? I don't know. No, no. not yet. Okay. I thought they were staying behind to set the last of the C4 to make okay. sure it detonated or something. That's right. Okay. Some MacGuffin reason. Yeah. yeah. So as... 
Jack and Sam continue to hang out in the corridor. Uh Uh-oh, Sam's armband falls off. Jack has just run through one of those force fields, but Sam cannot get through. Back out towards the entrance, Daniel and Teal'c are getting a little bit worried because Sam and Jack are taking longer than they were supposed to. Daniel wants to go back and look for them, but Teal'c says that they should have been right behind them, so they need to keep going towards the exit. Back in the hallway, Jack was also unconscious. Sam wakes up and calls to him. They realize that they're now on opposite sides of this force field, and Jack says, "Yeah, we should have brought more snacks. Right? Yeah. <laughs> can never have too no. many snacks. It's true. Yeah. But Sam's not so sure that that would have helped. They realize that they've only got a little bit less than two minutes until the C4 is going to go off, so they really need to get out of there. But Sam can't, so she tells Jack that he should go, but he's not going to leave her behind. Damn right he's not. Yeah. 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 So he goes to a wall panel and tries to do some stuff. Yeah. Seeing if he can get her out of there. Yeah. Back down at the entrance, Tilk and Daniel are still waiting. Daniel wants to get out of there. Tilk refuses to leave until he knows that Sam and Jack are safe. Otherwise, he's just going to literally go down with the ship if Sam and Jack don't come out. Daniel's a little skeptical, but if Tilk's not leaving, he's not leaving either. We see Jack hammering on the panel, trying to get the force field to go down. Sam can do literally nothing since the control panel is on the other side and she can't get through to that side. Daniel and Tilk continue to talk about, should we maybe leave? But nope, Tilk is not going to (laughs) leave. Daniel's like, you know, the mountain's going to explode, right? Tilk's like, yep, still not going anywhere. Daniel's like, of course, just making sure we're not, we're not leaving. We're not leaving. Sam yells at Jack that he needs to get out of there, but he still refuses to leave without her. The C4 explodes. The mountain and the ship sitting on top of the mountain don't explode just yet, though, because it's going to take a while for this ship to overheat now that the cooling system's been taken out. Thankfully, when the C4 did explode, it did take down the force field. So yay, Sam is able to get out of there with Jack. Convenient. (laughs) (laughs) Right, super convenient. (laughs) They're able to go run and meet up with Daniel and Tilk down at the entrance. Yeah. Huzzah. Huzzah. Once they get there, Jack is kind of surprised to see that they're still there. And Daniel's like, yeah, well, Tilk wouldn't leave. <laughs> the team runs to the Stargate. Woo. Tilk dials while the rest of them wait. <laughs> I didn't really know why they were waiting so far away. I, I mean, the only thing I could think is there really wasn't anywhere for them to hide. And if Tilk is attacked, then all of them won't be attacked. Yeah. Tilk dials. Then the ship explodes. Tilk runs back to help the rest of the team through. I did like as they were running towards the gate, Daniel like falls falls down at one point. Oh, I didn't even know. Yeah, he just like slides over. And it wasn't. I was just like, oh, that's fun. I was like, who is that? And I'm like, I think based on their positions, it was Daniel, because they were far away, so you couldn't see it. Gotcha. See them, but... I only noticed that Sam was running like she was very tired. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering if she was acting tired or if they had just made them film this scene so many times that Amanda Tapping was actually tired. <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> Could be both. <laughs> so they make it through just in the nick of time to find their friends on the other side. In the SGC, everybody's pretty apologetic and waiting for the court-martial that they know is going to happen. Everybody apologizes on their own, and then everybody looks at Teal because he's like, I have no need to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out Hammond had actually ordered him to go and follow them and help them out, since they knew that they weren't going to come back on their own. 
with the armbands falling <laughs> off at any moment. Hammond says there's not going to be any court-martial because being under the influence of an alien technology is a pretty good defense. And now they're going to go to the infirmary and hang out for a little bit, get some rest. Yeah. As they go to leave, Freya comes out and tells Jack that Anissa and I hope we can work together again in the future. And Jack seems pretty skeptical about that. <laughs> says, I ah, can't wait. Yay. And that's the episode. It is. Did you like the episode? I did. I liked the episode because I really enjoyed their steak eating scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've always had really good chemistry, but I feel like yeah. it's really at a new level as far as mm-hmm. how the cast kind of gels together. They just go so well together, all of them. They do. Yeah, it seems like it really kind of emphasized how they're all not just part of the same team but they're actual friends yeah when not working yeah so i i enjoyed that and it was just kind of a fun thing to watch them all you know get their super strength and i like the revisit of the boxing scene i don't like anise shock but th- that has nothing to do with anything that's fine i can not like characters that's fine what and and still enjoy a thing but the, i think that <laughs> the tokra are continuing to kind of treat humans as not equal allies. Yeah. I feel like that doesn't bode well for future alliances, but I don't mm. I can't remember. So I enjoyed that cuz yeah. we had a little bit of that, so it was a little bit of like relations but also just great fun moments with the with SG3 quarters mostly. <laughs> yeah. How about you? I agree. I thought a lot of it was really funny and entertaining, so I really enjoyed it. But it was really good for kind of reiterating the rapport between all the members and it kind of advanced the relationship between the members of sg1 in a few different ways like particularly with sam and jack the fact that he would not leave her despite it really seemed like she was going to die and he was going to die if he stayed with her but he still refused to leave and then even down in the entrance when teal'c and daniel could have left daniel sure wanted to leave but he still refused to leave teal'c and teal'c refused to leave jack and sam so it was Really, it just really emphasized the the bond that yeah. they have between them as team members. But then, like you said, it also was kind of nice to see them in a more casual setting, just like hanging out and having beers and steaks yeah. at a bar yeah. was amusing. There were explosions. So, of course, I loved <laughs> the fact that there were explosions. And uh, that was probably my favorite part because mm-hmm. explosions will always be my favorite part of anything where there are explosions, generally. <laughs> at least as far as fake TV things go. Right, right. <laughs> not, not necessarily like real life, but, you know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, real life explosions, not so great. Yeah, unless they're fireworks. Fair. Fireworks are great. I are they? But I don't like fireworks. What? I love fireworks. Yeah. You're wrong. Another thing you're wrong about. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. What are we watching next? Next, we are watching Stargate SG-1 Season 4, Episode 4, Crossroads. Netflix says, SG-1 responds to an incoming wormhole with their ally Braytax signal and greets Shanok, who tells them that she's come on behalf of Braytac. Let's see what the booklet has to say. <laughs> well, that's it. Yes. <laughs> that's, that is literally the first 30 seconds of the episode, <laughs> which is about all I was able to watch before Netflix froze and decided to not let me watch a second episode. Fun. So then when, one of the kind nurses came over and suggested that I watch The Crown instead, and so I watched ah, The Crown for the rest of the time I was excellent. there. The booklet says... When a beautiful high priestess from the planet Chulak claims to have a plan that would seriously cripple the gold, 
everyone is understandably skeptical. SG-1 must join forces with the Tok'ra in order to put her plan into effect, but a deadly hidden secret could jeopardize the entire operation. Ooh. Yeah. I don't remember it at all. That was more descriptive than the first 30 seconds. I only remember the first 30 seconds because I watched it today. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember the rest. Yeah. As always, thanks for listening. Make sure that you subscribe if you haven't already done so, so that you can get our episodes when they come out every Wednesday. If you would like to get our episodes even earlier, you can join us on patreon.com slash stargating, where you can support the show financially. And not only do you get the episodes a bit early, you can get some bonus episodes too, and some behind the scenes looks at what we're up to. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can get in touch with us through Patreon, or you can find us on Instagram or Twitter. You can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. You can check out our website, stargatesing.space. And you can also find our episodes on YouTube or whatever option you're using to listen to the episodes. Likes and reviews are very much appreciated, as is word of mouth, to help more people find this show. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing. The end. The end. Am I forgetting anything? Not that I can recall, but my brain is like, yeah, (laughs) same, (laughs) same brain, same, yeah.